This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 119, entitled, John the Baptist and the Logos that Enlightens. This is your first time to the podcast. I would like to welcome you and let you know that the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, thank you for supporting the show and welcome back. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I will be your host. The prologue of the Gospel of John is a popular passage for teaching, discussion, and speculation about its subject, which is the personified Logos of God. However, the 18 verses of the prologue are not all equally interesting to interpreters. This episode will look past the opening three verses of the prologue to examine how the personified Logos of God is depicted in verses 4 through 8, some of the verses that are less interesting to readers. In doing so, we will see the introduction of themes that will become significant in the ongoing narrative of the fourth gospel. Themes like life, light, darkness, and the testimony of John the Baptist. How does the personified Logos of God, which was formally framed in terms of the Genesis creation, continue to function in the prologue? What is the significance of light and life? And how do their appearances in the prologue act as introductions for their later appearances in the narrative of the fourth gospel. And why in the world is John the Baptist even mentioned in the prologue? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the logos that functions as light and life. I'll be reading out of John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. These two verses continue to describe the role of the Logos which is God's personified speech. Having described in the previous verses how all things were made by God speaking creation into existence, we have a solid framework in which to understand the references to light, life, men, and darkness. All of these themes appear in Genesis chapter 1. So it might be helpful to review these points for reference. In Genesis chapter 1, God speaks and creates life. He creates the ability to live, to function, 
and to breathe. Living, functioning, and breathing are part and parcel with life. While that which lives and owes its very being to the creative and powerful speech of God includes, according to Genesis chapter 1, vegetation, plants, trees, living creatures, birds, fish, cattle, and creeping things, the prologue focuses on humanity in particular. It says in John 1.4 that the life was the light of men. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says that God spoke, quote, let there be light and there was light, end quote. But in the narrative of the fourth gospel, light and darkness are not merely the presence or absence of illumination. Light and darkness symbolize two sides of the cosmic divide. As the Logos that has become flesh, the human Jesus claims to be the light of the world. John 8 verse 12. The light that he offers, for those who believe, brings eternal life. Or, as it might be more accurately translated, the life of the age to come. The darkness in the Gospel of John refers not merely to the absence of light, but also to those who are in need of redemption, to those persons that the gospel will often describe as, quote, the world, end quote. So what we can see is that John chapter 1, verse 4, by alluding to Genesis 1, portrays God's personified logos as the creative speech that spoke creation into existence, ordered for there to be light, and commanded for humanity to be made in the image of God. But, the personified Logos that formally ushered in life and light becomes flesh in the human Jesus. And, while remaining the Logos, he declares that he is the light of the world as he speaks forth the words of the Father. These words bring forth eternal life to those who respond with belief. In other words, the portrayal of the Logos in John chapter 1 verse 4 recalls Genesis 1 while at the same time introduces a thematic element that will also appear in the narrative of the fourth gospel. John chapter 1 verse 5 details the interplay between light and darkness. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome it. Or, the verb could be translated as comprehend. The darkness could not comprehend the light. There's multiple things that are going on with this symbolic verb. This statement demonstrates something that we already knew from Genesis chapter 1, in that light and darkness are not 
to opposing yet equal powers. Light always swallows up the darkness. A typical room could be 90% dark and 10% light. And the 90% darkness does not overwhelm the remainder of the light. The light always functions at full capacity. John chapter 1 verse 5 actually shows evidence of having been influenced by a former wisdom saying from the wisdom of Solomon. I've demonstrated in our previous three episodes that the prologue's depiction of God's personified word, the Logos, have many parallels with Jewish portrayals of God's personified wisdom. And this is another place where that takes place. So consider this passage as we think about John 1.5. This passage comes out of Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, starting in verse 29. It says, Wisdom is more beautiful than the sun, and she excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior. For the light is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. That's Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 29 through 30. I'll again recall what John 1.5 says. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness did not overcome it. Note how the personified Lady Wisdom, in this passage from Wisdom of Solomon chapter 7, is likened unto light, that is, more beautiful than the sun, and it is greater than the constellation of stars. In fact, Lady Wisdom is far superior to light because, in a typical day, night follows after daylight. But evil is unable to prevail against Lady Wisdom. John chapter 1, verse 5 says that the personified Logos which is a synonym for the personified wisdom at the time of the writing of the fourth gospel, bears life that shines a light in the darkness. But, just as we see in Wisdom of Solomon, the darkness cannot overcome the light of the Logos. There appears to be a consensus among modern specialists and commentators of the Gospel of John that state that John chapter 1 verse 5 has been shaped and influenced by the depiction of God's personified wisdom in this very passage, Wisdom of Solomon chapter 7 verses 29 through 30. This strongly suggests, as I have been arguing for weeks now, that the prologue must be read within the context of Jewish wisdom traditions, especially the portrayal of Lady Wisdom in works like Proverbs and Wisdom of Solomon. And remember, just as the Logos, the Word, is a personification, Lady Wisdom also 
is a personification. And personifications are not divine persons. As the prologue continues, the theme of the Logos, depicted in terms of light, will persist. While the setting will shift from creation to the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist. This moves us to our second point. Our second point today is the role of John the Baptist in relation to the Logos. Let's read John chapter 1, starting in verse 6. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. That's John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It is actually interesting how John the Baptist is characterized in the fourth gospel. I personally find it easier to simply refer to him as the Baptist so as to not confuse him with the John to whom many attribute the contents of the fourth gospel. In the fourth gospel, the Baptist basically has one job, which is to bear witness to Jesus. Every single time the Baptist appears in the fourth gospel, he is testifying about Jesus. He is pointing people to Jesus. He is bearing witness to someone other than himself. It is like clockwork. It is ridiculously thematic. So why should readers even listen to the Baptist? And why is he even mentioned in the prologue of the Gospel of John? Hasn't the Baptist been dead for 60 years by the time that the fourth gospel is written? We actually get an important clue from the book of Acts, where the fame of the Baptist is known all the way up in Ephesus, according to Acts chapters 18 and 19. In Acts 18, Apollos is in Ephesus, and he is portrayed as teaching in the synagogue while only being acquainted with the baptism of John, John the Baptist. That's in Acts 18, verse 25. It is a curious passage, but it suggests that the Baptist is being talked about, at least in regard to the authority of his baptism in Ephesus, decades after the Baptist's death. In Acts chapter 19, we see Paul coming to Ephesus, finding disciples who were only acquainted with the baptism of John. Acts 19, verses 1 through 4. So as we can see, there were some in Ephesus who continued to regard the Baptist and his authority long after his death. The prologue, which is written to a community that most scholars think was in Ephesus, seems to address this issue of the continuing interest of some with the Baptist and how the Baptist relates to Jesus. 
the prologue acknowledges that John was truly sent from God. That is, he was an authorized prophet. But instead of portraying the Baptist as a figure in whom the believers in Ephesus should place their trust, the prologue depicts the Baptist as one who witnesses and testifies. Of whom does the Baptist testify? Answer, the light. Why didn't the prologue just come out and say that he came to testify about Jesus? Why does he say that the Baptist came to testify about the light? Probably because the light has already been introduced as a symbolic description of the Logos in John chapter 1, verses 4-5. through 5. God's personified Logos bears life, and that life gives light to human beings. As the embodied Logos, the human Jesus continues to give light to human beings as the light of the world. The role of the Baptist is to make sure that modern readers, as well as those in ancient Ephesus, understand that it is the flesh that the Logos became that is the true light. What is the goal of the Baptist's testimony? Answer, he witnesses so that all might believe through this light of the world. The authority of the Baptist is described in terms that will be later used of Jesus. The Baptist is called a human being, an anthropos in Greek. In the fourth gospel, Jesus is called a human being using the same Greek noun, anthropos. The fourth gospel calls Jesus a human being in John 4.29, 5.12, chapter 7, verse 46, chapter 8, verse 40, chapter 9, verse 11, verse 16, chapter 10, verse 33, chapter 11, verses 47, verse 50, Chapter 18, verses 14, 17, 29, and chapter 19, verse 5. Again, John the Baptist is called a human being in the same way that the fourth gospel calls Jesus a human being multiple times. Furthermore, the Baptist was sent from God, just as Jesus was sent using the very same verb used multiple times. In fact, the phrase from God, as we see in John 1.6, the Baptist was sent from God, which is paratheu in Greek. This phrase is used in regard to, guess who? Jesus in John chapter 9, verse 16 and verse 33. For the Baptist to be introduced with some of the very same language that the fourth gospel uses of the human Jesus, this makes the Baptist into a very important person. But 
the Baptists continually insist that Jesus is greater. Why is Jesus greater than the Baptist? Answer, Jesus is the flesh that the Logos became, and Jesus functions as the light of the world, speaking the saving words of God that offer the life of the age to come. In doing so, Jesus continues the function of the Logos that was originally expressed in Genesis chapter 1. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the theologically loaded prologue of the fourth gospel continues from its poetic depiction of the Logos, having begun by locating the Logos with the Creator God in the beginning. We first noted that this creative and powerful speech of God was the instrument through which life was created. By recalling various acts of giving life as portrayed in Genesis chapter 1, the prologue indicates that the same Logos will be featured in the narrative of the fourth gospel, offering the life of the age to come to those men and women alike. The personified speech of God will become embodied in the human Jesus in order to speak forth God's gospel with the hopes that those who hear will come to belief and receive this life. In other words, the life-creating speech of God in Genesis is one and the same as the Logos embodied in the human Jesus, who speaks forth the life-giving words of God. Second, we observe that the Logos that offers life does so in a way that is characterized by light shining in the darkness. For the fourth gospel, light and darkness are not static terms, for they characterize two sides in the salvation history involving God and his personified Logos. We also carefully noted that John chapter 1 verse 5 drew upon Jewish wisdom traditions where God's personified wisdom was similarly characterized in terms of light that darkness could not overcome. Genesis chapter 1 depicts God speaking powerfully, let there be light, and the fourth gospel also portrays God's logos embodied in the human Jesus, emphatically declaring to be the light of the world. Third, we carefully noted why it was that John the Baptist was introduced in the prologue that had formerly been centered around God's word. The fourth gospel, which was almost certainly written to a community of believers in Ephesus, had some who highly regarded the authority of the Baptist long after his death. The prologue identifies the Baptist as indeed 
and influential and authoritative figure in the purposes of God. But the Baptist pointed to another, to the light of the world. The portrayal of the Baptist in the prologue of John sets out another introduction to a theme that will appear frequently in the fourth gospel, in that the primary purpose and function of the Baptist is to testify as a faithful witness about Jesus Christ. The Baptist does not draw attention away from Jesus unto himself. Rather, the Baptist's testimony in regard to this light is so that all might come to faith. Lastly, we look closely at how the Baptist was introduced in the prologue, and we drew similarities to how the rest of the fourth gospel depicts Jesus Christ. Both the Baptist and Jesus are sent, thus marking them out as important figures bearing God's authority. Both the Baptist and Jesus are sent, quote, from God, end quote. And both of them are portrayed as human beings. So while the prologue depicts the Baptist in ways that are remarkably similar to Jesus Christ, the prologue also insists that the Baptist is aimed at pointing people to Jesus in order that they might come to faith. Join us next week as we continue to progress through the prologue of John and situate its portrayal of the Word in light of its Jewish wisdom context. Please consider supporting the Biblical Unitarian Podcast as it aims to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You may check out this episode's description for a link to donate. Thank you so much for listening to us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, you folks take care.